Isaiah chapter 60. Um, there was, I just felt the Lord saying to me to speak on Isaiah 60 tonight. Those of you that know me know that I do it a lot. It's a favorite chapter of mine. It's central to a lot of what we're about here. And it's very uh, central as well and very um, integral to what we do in Arise Scotland. Because we do believe that Isaiah 60 is a message for Scotland today. And we've had that confirmed many times. And so we keep coming back to it. Um, but you know, Isaiah 60 should be read along with the last few chapters of Revelation. Chapter 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22. Because we believe that this portion here, this passage of Isaiah 60, is in the same time frame as the fall of Babylon and the end time move of God. And it's an Old Testament uh, perspective of something that's happening now at the end of time. And if you read Isaiah from about chapter 40 onwards, he's addressing a group of God's people living in the isles in the last days. So it's very, it's very pertinent to us. Um, and so, but Isaiah 60, right at the very heart of Isaiah and this message to an end time people of God, the Zion of God. And we are very much of the opinion that this is very much speaking to us as God's people here in Scotland, here in Britain at this time. So just going to read into it a little bit. Arise, shine, for your light has come, and the glory of the Lord is risen upon you. For behold, the darkness shall cover the earth, and deep darkness the people. Now, you could say that's us right now. The darkness that's upon the nations, the darkness that has come in, now, I've preached this for many a year, and you speak about darkness up till 20 months ago, and you were probably speaking about maybe moral darkness or spiritual darkness, but you weren't speaking about darkness like we understand it uh, today after the COVID business. So we're living in times of great darkness, great darkness upon the earth, or darkness upon the earth, and gross darkness, or great darkness, or deep darkness, it says in the New King James, thick darkness in the NIV, or darkness as black as night, the NLT says. Darkness is our reality, in a sense, right now, on earth, in the natural, isn't it? Because there's a great amount of darkness happening on earth. But look what it says. And he, and he says, behold the darkness, or look. That word behold simply means look at the darkness. Now, the problem that we have is we need to look at the darkness. Because you need to identify what's wrong. Don't you? You need to be informed. Paul says we're not ignorant of the devil's stratagems. Or tactics. We know what he's, we, we're not ignorant of these things. We know how he works. We know how he functions. We know what he does. We know his objectives. And if you're in a battle or a warfare, you need to know your enemy. And you need to know what you're up against. But the problem is, and you know, if, if you're in these, if you're in a WhatsApp group or a Facebook group, whatever it is, where people keep shoving up all this stuff that's going on, it's important to be informed. 
but it can be overwhelming. And you hear people say, I'm, I'm getting overwhelmed with all this. But you can only be overwhelmed if you just look at the darkness. Amen? If that's all you look at, you're going to be overwhelmed. You could be Kenneth Copeland and be overwhelmed. You could be Bill Johnson and be overwhelmed. It says, Behold the darkness and gross darkness upon the people, but the Lord. But Yahweh will arise over you. In other words, what he's saying is, here's the problem, here's the solution. And the solution is not a program. The solution is not five steps to overcoming the darkness. The solution is the Lord will arise over you. You see, you're never going to conquer the darkness by principles alone. It has to be relationship. Well, I'll just go to church and I'll feel better. We've spoken about that this morning. And, and we've spoken about Psalm 27. And it says, the Lord is my light and my salvation. There it's here, the light. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? The psalmist, which David, is boasting. But he's not boasting in himself. He's boasting in the Lord. But then he goes on to speak about one thing have I desired that I may dwell in the house of the Lord. And there's a connection between being in the meeting and overcoming. And having that strength. Strength is not being a lone ranger Christian. Strength is not, well, you know, I don't, I don't like church. I get hurt at church. Um, people are snobby. People are standoffish. People are cliquey. So I'll just do my own DIY Christian thing. You need fellowship. And when I say go to church, I don't mean necessarily you have to go to a, a denominational church or, you know, what we would say is church where there's, you know, here's the church, here's the steeple. <laughs> that type of church, here's the people. I'm talking about fellowship, where two or three are gathered. I'm talking about being a functional ecclesia. So, um, but he says, the Lord shall arise upon thee, or arise over you, and his glory will be seen upon you. There's the answer. The answer to the darkness is the glory of God. The presence of God and the glory of the Lord. That's the answer. And that's what we need to, to be living in. Because the darkness is all around. And he doesn't say, don't look at it, pretend it's not there. Stick your head in the sand. And just, you know, nothing's wrong, everything. All will be well. Like a lot of people are doing, oh, just get back to normal. We'll all take a jag and we'll all be back to normal. We'll all take two jags, three jags, as many jags as you want to give. There is no normal coming. And the sense, you know, I'd love to go back. Do you know what I used to uh, spend a lot of time? We used to speak about it. Daniel will tell you this, Pete. We used to speak a lot about this uh, when, when, when I pastored the church in Odyssey. Years ago, I would talk about, well, how's God going to move? What is going to arrest all these millions of people from living their own lives? Running about, chickens with no head, and, you know, life, what we would call today, what was normal. Because they had no thought for God, did they? And that's why when, when the crisis hit, church was so powerless because we didn't have the influence 
And so people didn't say, some did. We got, we got some people back here who looked at it all and thought, oh, I need to get back to the Lord. But most people, that wasn't their thought. And it's still not their thought today. Because the fear of COVID came upon people. But the fear of the Lord didn't. It's the fear of a virus. It's the fear of government overreach. Well, let's not call it government overreach. That's being kind. The fear of tyranny. Amen. And the fear of being locked down and the fear of, oh, well, will we manage to get petrol today? Or, oh, what, what happens when they bring, when there's famine, when there's food shortages? And, and all the reports I'm getting is that there, is, there are no fuel shortages. But if you read the media, because fear is the device by which they control us. We don't want to speak too much about that tonight because I want to speak about the good stuff, the glory. And that's what I just felt the Lord was saying to emphasize that. The, the nations shall come to thy light, it says. That word Gentiles just means nations. And kings to the brightness of your rising. Wouldn't it be great to be sitting in here tonight and the door goes and you open it up and it's Nicola Sturgeon or some other king or leader you've got something we don't you have wisdom we don't you have power we don't and we're bankrupt we're morally bankrupt we know but we're bankrupt in every other way but there's something about you folks because there's a glory there's a light there's something different about you that's what they're saying will happen if you believe God's word, kings will come to the brightness of your rising. It's not the brightness of the rising of the televangelist or the man in the white suit or the great orator or the pastor or the leader or the one who's got a denomination of thousands. It's kings to the brightness of your rising being the saints of God. Kings will come. And, and, and these prophetic words say that over and over. Now, let me just say this to you. Some of them will be evil kings that want to repent, and some of them will be ones that aren't happy with what's going on, but the really wicked ones, they probably won't come. But one reason they might come is, as we're going to look, as we read into this chapter, is the wealth of the nations is going to come, and that will always attract the politicians. Because they go where the money goes, amen? But you see, right now, the politicians are dancing to the tune of the billionaires who have the money, but let me just say this, when you and I have the money, as God's people, as this passage here and many others predict, prophesies, then they'll come. Can we be of service? Yes, you can. The toilets need cleaning. <laughs> Amen? And that's, that's about as much as, as some of them are for. But they'll come. Whatever the reasons, they'll come. Why will they come? Because God's Word says they will. Then it says... Uh, lift up your eyes all around and see. Now he's telling you to look at something else. Amen. He says, look, behold the darkness. Look at the darkness. In other words, look at the problem. But here's, here's the solution is the Lord will arise upon you. The glory of God. The light will shine. He says, but lift up your eyes to see something else. Remember when Jesus said, he said, look upon the fields. You see. There are yet four months to harvest. In other words, we say, oh, uh, God's going to move, but not now. Oh, no, not now. He'll move one day in the future. Oh, yes, amen. And Jesus said, the fields are right now. 
It's time to send in the laborers now. But we always put off to the future, don't we? But here he's saying another thing. He says, lift up. And he's saying the same thing. Jesus said, lift up your eyes all around and see. They all gather together. They come to you. You know, I, I had a very profound... Now, we've got loads of pictures, as I said, of the old uh, days of this church. Packed, you know, all these seats packed, packed, packed. Um, but we've not really seen much of that recently. And, and that was long before my time. Um, but I had a very real sense today of every seat in here being filled. And your David prophesied the very first uh, Rise Scotland, or if you remember that, Alan, David said that he saw a vision of the streets being filled with people crushing to get in here. And that's what he's saying here. Lift up your eyes all around and see they all gather together, they come to you. You have to build your faith to the place and you have to build your vision to the place where you see harvest. And not just here in this meeting, and not even just in church meetings, folks, but they gather together, they come to you. Amen? Because the glory is on you, and it shall be seen. Manifestation. Manifestation. Let's talk a little bit. In fact, let's just pause there, and let's go over to Romans chapter 8. I want to show you something over here. Okay? Stevie McKee yesterday was speaking at a Rise Scotland meeting and he picked up on something Alec had said. Alec Gillis had said a couple of weeks back and it was one of the most profound things I ever heard. And Alec said this, he said, um, when Christ is in you, you live under an open heaven. You hear a lot of people, and I've got a book, I, said it, I shared it yesterday, I've got a book up in that office, and it's a well-known guy, a well-known preacher, a well-known pastor, and I love his stuff, but I don't like the title of this book, When the Heavens Are Brass. Now, When the Heavens Are Brass is an Old Testament concept, doesn't it? Because if you're in Christ and Christ is in you, the heavens are always open. Aren't they? You don't need to tithe to get the heavens open. All that Old Testament stuff, we live in the New Covenant, folks, and we're living under an open heaven. And the problem with the situation right now, and that's what Isaiah here is describing, he's saying there's darkness all around. Why? Because God does not yet have a people that understand that the glory is theirs to avail themselves of. As Cam keeps saying, who, are, who we are in Christ. When you know who you are in Christ, and people who know who they are in Christ, they live under their own heaven. We talk about guys like Wigglesworth, John Lake, George Jeffries. We don't have to even go back so far as that. There are guys in the earth today. But it needs to be a corporate thing. We all need to be living under an open heaven, which you can only have when you know who you are. And look what it says here in Romans chapter 8. I get glasses and you have. Might need that's a small print. It says here, watch this. For I reckon, this is Romans 8 verse 8, I reckon that the, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Well, that's just what we've read. Darkness. Darkness is causing us to suffer, isn't it? But there's a glory to be revealed. And notice here Paul says it, it's, it's, it's a future thing. 
I believe a lot of this stuff that we're looking at, men have walked in measures of it. But so much of what God's word says is for what we would say the end times. The full functioning of it, the full manifestation of it. Manifestation is the word I want you to, to, to keep in your thinking here. Watch what it says. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the Son of God, sons of God. Creation, for the creation is subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. Because the creation itself will, will also be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. What he's saying is something has to happen, and that something is the glory that's revealed, and that is the manifestation of the sons of God. But it's already happened. As Stevie was pointing out yesterday, he says, look what happened when Jesus was baptized. Jesus didn't have to be baptized and that he didn't have to repent of anything. But he did it to show us, if you like, the way. So what happened was Jesus was baptized and a better way of putting it is Jesus was immersed. And when Jesus went down into the waters of baptism, he was saying that he was all in. Amen? When you're baptized, you're all in. And it's not just a water baptism, we're baptized in the Spirit. We're baptized in fire. We're immersed, we're engulfed, we're all in. And what happened when that happened? The Bible says, the heavens opened, and a voice said, this is my beloved Son, in whom I will please. In other words, the heavens were opened when the Son of God was manifested. But he was all in. And we've had revival. We speak about revival. We've had it in what happened in times of revival and times past? Some folks got all in. Some folks said, I'm not content to live anymore in business as usual. Amen? I'm not content with normal. We want to go back to normal. But normal wasn't working. Business as usual wasn't working. And business as usual, folks, is over. And, it, you, you know, this time, it's not a case of saying, well, you know, the decision has been made for us. Business as usual is over. We're not going to have church like we had church. We're not going to do Christianity, do the faith, whatever it is, whatever it is you call it. We're not doing it that way anymore because that way didn't work because God is looking for a people who are all in and the minute he finds one, and creation's groaning and longing for it, but when it happens, when it happens, that is a manifestation of the sons of God, and that's what the open heavens are. And that's when the glory is risen upon us. We're not talking here about doing, oh, well, you know, let's up our game. Let's up our game. Let's be better Christians. Uh, you know, be, be a better you. We're not talking self self-improvement is of the devil. Because when you go into the waters of baptism or, or when you're baptized, you go all in and, have, and all of you dies, even the good bits, folks. Your, your ministry dies, your reputation dies, your good name dies, your, all of it dies. Not just the bad stuff, not just the, you know, the sin stuff, 
We won't list that. But all the good stuff. Why? Because God wants a people who are all in. But it's not all about them. It's about his kingdom, his glory. And the minute he gets that, that's, it says, and I believe there's going to be a manifestation of that or, a, or a, there's going to be an explosion of that. But it might not start in a million churches at once. It might just start in one wee place. But we sing a song here, a lot search me, O God. And the last verse says, O Holy Ghost, revival comes from thee. Send a revival, start the work in me. And revival, friends, is a choice. It's not sitting back and waiting for God to zap you, which I think a lot of us, we think that, is it? am I right? But revival starts when you say, you know, I'm going down into I'm going to be immersed. I'm going down into the waters of baptism. I'm not talking about being baptized in water again. I mean the, the symbolism of it. I'm going to go all in. Because there are too many people that are quite happy to stand at this moment in time so long as it doesn't interfere with their EastEnders or Emmerdale or, yeah? A lot of people would rather go to uh, flower arranging classes than go to prayer meetings. Amen? We're talking about God wants... He doesn't care if it's two or three. He doesn't care if it's one. He's just looking for someone who says, I'm all in. And that is what opens the heaven. So the glory that we're speaking of, if you go back to Isaiah 60, um, it says here, lift up your eyes all around, see, they all gather together, they come to you, your son shall come from afar, your daughter shall be nursed at your side. That's revival, folks. That's, that's harvest. That's seeing people saved. I'm not saying we're all called to be Billy Graham and we're all going to have, you know, big crusades. But we're all going to be part of what God is doing, which will bring the, the sons and daughters in, the harvest in. Then you shall see and become radiant. Your heart shall swell with joy. Because the abundance of the sea shall be turned to you, the wealth of the nation shall come to you. The abundance of the sea simply means the world economy, the world system. Right now, over 50% of the world's economy or wealth is owned by a handful of guys. Yeah? And they're not really interested. I, I can tell you right now, we've never had a check from any of them. They're not interested in funding the kingdom. They're not interested in funding the work of God. They are interested in funding vaccines. They are interested in funding things that will keep you and I in bondage. And above all, poor. Because, what did he say? Agenda 2030, which I'm now told they're trying to pull forward to 2023. What did he say? You will own nothing and you'll be happy. Let me tell you what owning nothing is called poverty. Amen? So their agenda for you is that they get all the money, which means really they get all the power, and you end up without a car, probably, because that's, that's their agenda right now, isn't it? And without maybe a menial job. So you might have a university degree, but you'll end up in some menial job, sweeping streets or something. 
because your education doesn't matter to them, your status doesn't matter to them, you are, and, and we're not talking here about being anti-government, by the way. I said this this morning in a church, of all people, Christians are the most pro-government because we believe in law and order and, and God created government and governance. The problem isn't government, it's the wrong people are in government. And so we need to get active in that. But what he's saying here is this, that all that stuff, all that economy, all that wealth is going to be turned to you. The tide will turn. And I believe if we're not right in that right now, we're on the very cusp of it. And he says, the wealth of the nation shall come to you. It's all coming our way. All their economy is built on is called fiat money, which is just bits of paper are really now just figures on a, in, in a computer. But if you understand the last day's temple in Haggai and other places, it says the wealth of the sun is laid up for the just. Haggai says the silver and the gold belong in the temple of God. And brothers and sisters, we are the temple. So the real wealth, I don't know who's going to do it, but I know he's going to do it. The gold and the silver is coming to us. And that's real wealth. So the wealth of the But also there's something about this because the King James here says, when it says here, the wealth of the nations comes to you. The King James says, the forces of the nations, the forces of the Gentiles shall come unto thee. Now, I always liked the one that said wealth because what does forces mean? You know, if you're preaching prosperity, you want to preach the wealth of the nations. But that word in Hebrew is very interesting because it's the Hebrew word kyle. And it has a broad spectrum of meaning. It certainly means wealth. It means money. It means gold. It means silver. It means precious things. It means assets. It means cars. It means houses. It means lands. It means all the things that would make a person rich. But it has a broader meaning because it literally means hosts, armies, multitudes. The multitudes shall come to you is what he's saying. The wealth is coming, but the multitudes are coming. Isn't that good to know? Again, he's talking about harvest. That's what he's talking about. He says, the forces, the multitudes of the nations shall come unto you. Cesar Castellano says that you have to see yourself as a leader of multitudes. If I could put anything into your heart tonight, that's what I'd do. Because we all have to develop our vision to see that we're leaders of multitudes. God has multitudes on his mind. Nations and multitudes are our destiny. Jesus didn't send the disciples out to plant wee country churches where 15 people might show up. He said, go and disciple the nations. And that word disciple means go and bring into subjection the nations. And we'll get into all that in the Bible college. That's coming up, I think, this year, Pete. So it's about money. It's about people. It's about multitudes. It's about nations. It's about, in a sense, yes, it is about world dominion, but it's not about, well, let's start a militia and get some rifles handed out and we'll, we'll storm Holyrood, we'll storm 10 down the street, we'll stage a military coup. No, this is our weapon. The Holy Ghost and this book are all we need to take this nation. I believe God wants us to take the nation, don't you? Praise God. So, anyway, and it says here, the multitude of camels shall cover your land, the dromedaries of Midian and Ephah, all those from Sheba shall come, they shall bring gold and incense, 
And they shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. Gold and incense speaks about two things. They will bring their money to fund the kingdom. Kingdom wealth is not that a preacher stands up, preaches a great message, and the congregation put in enough money that he can buy a big house. Kingdom wealth is about a preacher stands up and he gives a great message and the congregation put their money in so that they can fund the kingdom and relieve the poor and destroy systemic poverty. Amen? And we all have a big house. Including those that are homeless right now. The days of the early church, what happened? God saved 3,000 souls and he was adding to the church daily. And what did he do? The people that had money, the people that were wealthy, had to look around and say, you know, there's some folks in here, they're not doing so well. Let's sell some stuff, give it to the apostles, and they can redistribute it so that none of us in this church are poor. And the Bible says none of them lacked. Everybody wants to get back to the days of the early church. Oh, we need to get back to the days of the early church. We need the power back. I want to walk down the street and people are healed just from my shadow. He said, let's go back to the days of the early church. Do you have any surplus possessions or lands? Oh, yes, I've got a couple of investment in properties. That's great. Sell them and give to the poor. Oh, wait a minute, that's a bit extreme. That sounds like socialism. Well, let me tell you what, what, what real socialism is. They're going to take your properties off you and you're not going to see a penny. And neither is a church. Keep getting distracted here in a sense. Um, okay. They shall bring gold. They shall proclaim the praises of the Lord. So they'll bring money. Incense speaks about worship, prayer, and they'll praise the Lord. Uh, he says here, I'll glorify the house of my glory. And then I just want to, I want to get to somewhere and I'll finish with us, folks. Because this is what the Lord put in my heart. It says here, they'll bring, verse 9, they'll bring your sons from afar again harvest, their silver and their gold with them to the name of the Lord your God and to the Holy One of Israel because he's glorified you. That means they're going to bring it to the name. If you know anything about the Old Testament temple, it was built for the name. The temple was built, go and read it. David said it. I think Solomon said it too. They were building it for the name, to house the name. Because they knew that where the name was praised and the name was proclaimed, there that would be, that would invoke the presence. When I, if, if one of you is in the next room and I shout on you, see a shouting, Graham, Graham, what, what happens? Graham comes. So when you proclaim the name in the house that's built for that, he comes and fills it with glory so that the priest can't stand and minister. And it's no coincidence the place was covered in gold. That's another message, which it's somewhere we don't want to necessarily go tonight. Their silver and their gold with them. The sons of foreigners shall build up your walls. That's second, third, fourth generation immigrants. Oh, they shouldn't be here. They shouldn't be here. Well, they are here for a purpose, to build up your walls. Amen? Praise God. Their kings shall minister to you. So we have this whole thing going on that we don't want immigrants. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says they're here for a purpose, which is to be part of what God is doing. Amen? 
You know, we have, we've got folks that come here, uh, Africans, Caribbean people, and you get into conversation with them, and they say, well, we're here because you sent missionaries out, and my grandfather, my father, they get saved, so I'm back because I want to, you know, and God has sent me back. You know, when they get off the plane to come over here, they think they're stepping into paradise, heaven, you know, they're looking for the streets to be paved with gold because they think everything here is, you know, and then they discover that this place is more godless than the one they left. So there's a purpose. In my wrath I struck you in my favour of admit. And she says, for your gates shall be open continually. They shall not be shut day or night that men may bring to you the wealth of a nation or the forces. And that's, I think that's the internet, I'll be honest. Because I'm not opening this place up 24-7 and being here all the time. Amen. There has to be a 24-7 access that I don't have to be standing here all that time. It would be great to have the church open 24-7, don't get me wrong. But there's, he's saying here, your gates. The king's in procession. There's the king's coming again. For the nation and kingdom which will not serve you shall perish, and these nations shall be utterly ruined. He's talking here about the temple. I need to bring this to a close, folks. He's talking here about the last day's temple. The last day's house of God. And that is us. That's you and I. And let me just say this. It's not a building. And we do that, don't we? We have church and we say, good to see you in the house of God this morning. And am I right? I will always say, but remember, you're the house of God and this is just a building dedicated to him. Because we start to think church is the house of God as in a church building. We've missed it. Because all this stuff, all this glory, all this wealth is not just coming to a building, it's coming to you. You are the house of God. You are the place where the Shekinah glory dwells. We don't have the Shekinah glory behind that wall there. And only I can get in once a year and fellowship with God directly. The Shekinah glory, you brought it in with you. Amen? The glory of God, the presence of God, the Holy of Holies, it's not somewhere in this building or somewhere in a church building. You know, when I was young, I used to always think that for some reason that God was up where the organ pipes were. High up where the organ pipes. I don't know why. I always had that idea. Oh, that, that, well, that's, that's the, the most holy place. I had weird ideas. <laughs> Hard to believe now. But, you know, stuff like that, kind of religious stuff that you think, oh, well, that's where the Holy of Holy is in this building, in you and I. And you know what he wants to do? Manifest. So that you just, people don't look at you and go, oh, who's that guy? They look at you and go, wow, they're carrying something. And I can see it in them. Or I literally can see it. Or you understand? But look what it says here. This is where I want to go with this. He says, if they don't follow you, they'll be utterly ruined. Wouldn't that be great? To look around and see that anybody that, that disses you, that disrespects you, that they're utterly ruined. It's not that we're looking for that and we're rejoicing that. But this stuff's real. This stuff isn't play. The glory of Lebanon shall come to the cypress, the pine, the box tree together, to beautify the place of my sanctuary. Again, that's you. I will make the place of my feet glorious. Let me just tell this, say this to you. The place of God's feet tonight is here and, and, and in your feet as well. 
Because you're the temple. Wherever you go, the presence of God goes, the glory of God goes, the house of God goes, the place of his feet is your feet. So you didn't walk into the presence of God tonight, although we do have you know, an atmosphere in here at all times, don't we? It's, it's an amazing thing. But it's not in a building, it's in you. This is where we'll go and this is where we'll close because we could go on and we'll maybe come back to this next week, we'll see. The sons of those who afflicted you, verse 14, shall come bowing to you. We were talking just before the meeting started, Karen and I, about a situation this week where one or two people came against me um, and had a go at me about something. Really about this. But he says, those who afflicted you shall come bowing to you. And it says, all those who despise you shall fall prostrate at the soles of your feet. They shall call you the city of the Lord. The Zion of the Holy One of Israel. In other words, they will say, you are the one that God lives in. And then over in Revelation chapter 3, the church of Philadelphia, we can get into that another time, we don't have time today. says the same thing. They'll come bowing at the soles of your feet. Now whether that's literal, and it might well be, or whether that's just allegorical, which means they'll come groveling, <laughs> it's still another thing that's going to happen in this time we're in and entering into, and we're just in the edge of, if you like, that God is going to move in such a way that there'll be no doubt at all about those who are carrying this and manifesting this and are the sons of God and those who are tares. The wheat and the tares are being separated. And God's saying the tares are going to come and bow down at the feet of the wheat. No question about it. Because they'll not be able to deny and over, it's closing the, the synagogue of Satan, those who say they're Jews and are not in Revelation chapter 3. And it says, they'll say, no, no, you, you're the people of God. And you know, let me just say this, the chancers will have to bow down to the real deal. So all I'm saying tonight, folks, is let's be the real deal. Amen. Let's be a vessel of fire and glory. Let's, Father, I immerse myself. I'm all in. I'm not doing it for praise sake. I'm not doing it for reputation. I don't care about reputation. I lost, listen, I lost my reputation a long, long time ago. I really did. I could give you all the... They're all sitting laughing at me here. I really did. I don't care about reputation. But, and if you do, you're not all in. And we, we know folks, don't we? We know folks. Precious, precious saints. And they've buckled to all this that's going on because they do care about their reputation. That's the thing that's come out. And it's a sad thing to see, but it's reality, what we're dealing with. Let's not be those types of folks. Amen? Let's be people who say, Father, I'm all in. I'll die even to all the good stuff so that when I come back up, there's a manifestation because the heavens are opened and the glory of God is revealed in my life. And we want to do that as individuals and we want to do that corporately. Amen? Let's just pray and respond to this. Father, we just thank you for these truths. 
Lord, that there's a call upon us, a, a, a high calling, not a low calling, not a common thing, but a call to come up higher and be holy. Lord, as Stevie was sharing yesterday, Lord, it's a call to be set apart for your purpose. It's not something that all can or will sign up to, Lord, but it's saying, I want to be that. Lord, even when we fail, we just get back right up again and say, I still want it. We're not proclaiming ourselves to be perfect, but we're proclaiming that we want to be the perfect vehicle for the perfect one within us and upon us. And Lord, that we will continue to press in for the, the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Let it be our reality. Lord, I, I believe I'm speaking for everybody in this room tonight. Lord, we, we want this. We want to be sons of God, daughters of God, children of God manifest in our generation to bring about the purpose of God for our generation here in Scotland that Scotland's destiny which is wondrous Father Lord that we would be so tied up in it so integral to it so vital to it Lord because we believe that that's exactly what we are so we ask this night Lord receive our consecration afresh we're not saying we'll do better Lord no we're not we're saying Lord let your son, the hope of glory in our lives, shine through us, as us, to this dark world and bring and usher in your kingdom and plant the kingdom of God here in Scotland and lay the foundations of a new earth in Jesus' name. Amen.